all you have. You are now tuned in to Marcus Rays. You just sat back and ready to play. Let me take your thoughts far, far away. Now let's hear what Darth Vader has to say. We would be honored if you would join us. Hey there, Cosmic Adventures. It's your buddy Kyle, and you just plugged into the universe's premier podcast, Star Wars Audio Archives. And there is so much to cover in today's episode, from lightsabers to blaster fights. Are you ready for this adventure? Then fasten your seatbelts and prime those hyperdrive engines, because we're launching into a galaxy of fun. One that'll make your mind fly faster than a Drexel carrying Darth Bane from Ducks into Onderon. Ready to blast off into some awesomeness? Then buckle up, because here we go. <laughs> Huddled with Nostaral in the back of the airspeeder, taking them from Jagani Port to the nearby city of Maslavar, Theron was convinced they would drop out of the sky at any moment. The constant high-pitched whine of the engine made conversation impossible, and every few minutes, the pilot had to drop them to a height of only a few meters above Deceivro's swampy surface to keep the repulsor lift from overheating. The stabilizers weren't much better, and each time a gust of wind hit them, the speeder threatened to flip over. The flight lasted only 20 minutes, but by the time they touched down in the center of the city, Theron's stomach was trying to crawl up and out of his throat. Best hotel in Maslovar, their pilot proclaimed as his passengers climbed out of the back seat. Looking at the dilapidated building before them, Theron was convinced there had to be a better option, but he wasn't eager to get back on the speeder anytime soon. Maybe it won't be as bad as it looks, he silently hoped as they collected their bags and headed inside. Tefeth had agreed to set up a meeting with Gorvich three days from now. Theron wasn't happy about the delay, but she insisted it would take some time to pull together everything they'd need to get past Imperial security on whichever space station ended up being their destination. Until then, there was nothing for Theron and Nostaral to do but wait. They'd asked Tefeth to recommend a place to stay. Seeing where she'd sent them made it clear she still wasn't happy about working with him. We need a room, Theron said at the check-in desk. Three nights, two beds. The woman behind the counter didn't speak as she punched at the buttons on her console. Eventually, she produced a pair of key cards. Sixty credits per night. Pay up front. Theron slid the credits across the counter, and she handed him the keycards. Level six, top floor. Turbo lift is broken. Theron prepared himself for the worst as he entered the room. And he wasn't disappointed. An unidentifiable but distinctly unpleasant odor wafted out to meet them as the door slid open. And Theron was certain he heard the scuttling of vermin running for cover as he flicked on the lights. There is no comfort, only filth, he mumbled. We could return to the shuttle. There are sleeping quarters, a shower, and a refresher on board. I think the floor of the shuttle would be more comfortable than this place, Theron agreed. But I need a few minutes before I can handle another speeder ride like the last one. You and Tepith have an interesting relationship, Nostaral said. It's not really a relationship, Theron explained. She's just one of my contacts. She is clearly more than that. Nagani Jio saw something in her. He took her under his wing. I guess I feel responsible for her now that he's gone. Do you have feelings for her? Theron laughed. 
Not like you're implying. She's more like a kid's sister. Annoying, always getting into trouble. But you know there's good buried somewhere deep inside. It must be buried very deep for her to send you to a place like this. She's not going to double-cross us, Theron assured him. Because of her respect for Master Zhou? It's not just that. She's got honor. She could have abandoned me on Darth Mechus's flagship. Could have taken my shuttle and left me to die there when it self-destructed. But she didn't. She waited while the whole place was collapsing around her. Gave me time to get back to the shuttle. No wonder she's hostile. She saved your life. And now you come and ask her for another favor. You are the one in debt to her. Before Theron could reply, the cybernetic implant in his right ear buzzed. Hold on, he said to Nosteral, holding up a hand for silence. Incoming call from the director. He whispered, Accept incoming, before saying more loudly, Director, any news? The bird is coming back to the nest. The one in the Manix tree. From the analytics report, Theron knew there were just a handful of Imperial space stations large enough to accommodate a vessel the size of the spear. Only one was located in a system starting with the same letter as Mannix, Reaver Station, in the Moranis system on the outer rim. Copy. What's the timetable? Landing tomorrow. Should splash around in the bird bath for two days before flying south for the winter. Got it. Anything else? Nothing relevant, the director said after a brief pause. Good luck, he added, ending the call before Theron could ask any more questions. Disconnect, Theron whispered as the static of the open channel hissed softly in his ear. He waited for the comlink to click off before telling Nosteral, The spear's docking at Reaver Station to give the crew two days of R&R. When? Tomorrow. By the time we meet with Tefeth's contact, they'll already be back on active duty. It might be weeks, maybe even months before the spear docks again. We need to convince Gorvich to move a little faster, Theron agreed. Theron didn't believe it was possible, but the speeder that took them back to Jagani Port was in even worse shape than the previous one. But his stomach wasn't lurching when they touched down this time. He was too focused on the mission. Returning to the Crooked Finger, they found Tefeth and her Rodian friend still sitting at the same table where they had left them an hour earlier. Didn't like the hotel? Tefeth asked when she saw them approaching. Change of plans, Theron said. We need to see Gorvich today, right now. The Twilix shook her head. Impossible. Three days, remember? I'm not playing around, Tefeth. Something in his voice made her take notice, and she let out a long sigh. We take you to Gorvich. Follow us. The instant Gorvich opened the door to his apartment, Theron disliked him. He was dressed in expensive, overly fashionable clothes, dark tailor-fit slacks, and a patterned shirt made from expensive sava silk. He was wearing several ostentatious rings and a thick gold chain dangled from his neck. His hair was blonde, his features average, but there was something distasteful about his look, an expression on his face, and the way he carried himself that elicited a powerful sense of revulsion. When he opened his mouth to speak, he did nothing to offset the first impression. 
his voice arrogant, mocking, and self-obsessed all at the same time. Hey, sunshine, he said to Tefeth by way of greeting, flashing her a lecherous grin that made Theron want to pop him in the nose. These the big spenders you told me about? Gorvich, Theron, Tefeth said, making her introduction as brief as possible. You two talk. We are done. Gorvich laughed. <laughs> Sunshine hasn't succumbed to my charms yet, but she'll come around. They all do. I have a special relationship with the ladies. Keep talking, Tepeth said, tapping the handle of her blaster. Make it so you never have a special relationship ever again. He responded with a wink and another laugh before turning his attention to Theron. Come on in! Let's talk business. The three of them followed him into the living room. Though the apartment was small, it was well furnished. Theron noticed that all the pieces appeared new, and they seemed more suited for a much larger place. He's getting a little taste of success, Theron thought. Figures he'll be moving on to bigger and better things in the near future. Gorvich settled himself into an oversized easy chair, but didn't invite his guests to sit. Instead, he left them standing awkwardly in the center of the room. Trying to make us feel uncomfortable. Inferior, like we're servants waiting on him. Heard you need to get aboard an Imperial space station, Gorvich began. Gonna have to throw together clearance papers for the whole lot of them, since you don't know which one you want to visit. Gotta charge you extra for that. We know where we're going now, Theron told him. Reaver Station. Still gotta charge you extra, I'm afraid, Gorbich said with an affected shrug. Started the paperwork when Tepeth first called. Fine, whatever, Theron said, knowing he didn't have time to argue. But we need to leave today, or the deal's off. <laughs> you must be inhaling some of your Keldor buddy's atmosphere. That stuff will rot your brain. No way I can pull it all together today. It's today or not at all, Theron insisted. Do you know how complicated this is? We need uniforms, IDs, clearance papers, an Imperial shuttle. The old Tian Brotherhood moves thousands of credits worth of contraband spice and stems through Imperial space stations every week, Theron said. You telling me you don't have that stuff on hand and ready to go? Uh, I might be able to scramble something up in a few hours, Gorbich admitted. But I'm gonna have to charge you a premium for short notice. Not a problem, Theron assured him, though he wasn't sure that was true. They had a lockbox stuffed with 30,000 credits hidden away in a secret security compartment on Nostaral's shuttle, but Gorbich had all the leverage and he knew it. It was possible he might come up with a ridiculous price they couldn't meet with the funds on hand, and authorizing more credits from SIS would take time, not to mention a transfer of that size to any account on a gang-ridden planet like Decevro was bound to attract all kinds of attention from anyone involved in the transaction. Theron decided not to bring this up, however. Better to negotiate the deal than try to convince Gorvich to settle on a lower price once he'd already done the work to get everything ready. You know I can't do anything for your friend there, Gorvich told him. Ain't no Keldor in the Imp Army. I'll stick out like a sore thumb. 
I will stay out of sight on the shuttle. I assume the kind of clearances you procure will allow us to avoid a search of our vessel? We have a couple of security folks we pay to look the other way. So, do we have a deal? Theron wanted to know. You don't know my price yet. Just name it. 40,000 credits. Done, Theron said with no hesitation, relying on his partner to be smart enough to play along. Fortunately, Nostaral didn't show any reaction. Two hours later, they were in Gorbich's private hangar, while he walked them through the Imperial shuttle he procured. Tefeth was still hanging around, though she hadn't said more than two words the entire time. Standard Imperial fleet issue, Gorbich said, pointing to a uniform draped over the pilot's chair. Made you a corporal. Any rank higher than that starts to attract too much attention. You know who to salute and when? You mess that up and people are gonna notice. I think I can handle it, Theron said. This wouldn't be the first time he'd gone undercover as an enemy combatant. Got your clearance codes programmed into the ship's computer. All you have to do is send them when they ask for verification. They'll have you dock over on Sea Wing. We got an understanding with security there. Shouldn't give you any trouble. After that, you're on your own. Gorvich scratched at the stubble on his chin and squinted one eye at Theron. Tefeth never did say why you were going there. You ain't selling nothing, are you? Because the Brotherhood won't be too happy if you cut them out. The way you tried to cut Morbo out of your deal on Narshida, Theron thought. Got a cousin stationed on one of the capital ships, Theron said aloud. Docking at Reaver Station. He's done with the war. Wants me to come get him out. Desertion and dereliction of duty, Gorbich said with a nod. That I can understand. Anything else we need to know? Theron asked. Guess not. Just hand over the credits and you're on your way. They're on our ship, Theron said. Great, Gorbich said, rubbing his hands together in excitement. Let's go get him. When they reached the Prosperity's hangar, Gorbich let out a long whistle of appreciation. Nice ride, Tefeth grudgingly admitted. Wait here, Theron said, as he tapped in the code to open up the boarding ramp, then climbed up and into the shuttle. Nostaral didn't bother to come with him. Theron was glad to see the Jedi had no problem letting him take the lead when it was appropriate. Even better... He knew his partner had his back if something should go wrong, as it had at the ODCC on Zyost. He opened the hidden security panel and dragged out the lockbox, then carried it back down the boarding ramp and set it at Gorbich's feet and opened it. Isn't that a pretty sight, sunshine? Gorbich said. Just hand over our cuts, Tevith replied. Give me a minute to count it. Make sure your friends aren't pulling a fast one. About that, Theron said. There's only 30,000 credits there. That's all we've got. So go get more, Gorvich growled. We don't have time, Theron told him. Not sure I'd trust anyone around here with that kind of transaction anyway. Theron was watching the other man closely, ready in case he went for his weapon. Shooting Gorvich might mess up the plan. The corrupt guards on Reaver Station could be friends of his he wasn't going to let Gorvich get the drop on him. In the back of his mind, 
He wondered whose side Tefeth would be on if things got ugly. We agreed on 40, Gorbach reminded him. I'm good for it, Theron assured him. 30 now, and 10 when we get back. I'm not convinced you're gonna make it back. I need enough credits to cover the cost of the shuttle in case you mess up and the imps don't let you leave. There was no way the simple Imperial supply shuttle Gorbach was lending them was worth anything above 20,000 credits. But Theron wasn't going to argue the point. Tell you what, he said. We get back, we'll give you another 20 instead of 10. Gorbach was silent as he considered the offer. Good money, Gorbach, Teveth chimed in. Easy money. Okay, here's the deal. 30 up front, 20 when you get back, and you leave me the command codes to your shuttle as collateral. The Prosperity's worth at least 50,000 credits on its own, Theron protested. Not to mention Nostaral might have some sensitive information on board, he thought. Good incentive to come back, Gorbich said. Wouldn't want you to rescue your cousin and then take off somewhere. From his tone, it was clear he didn't buy Theron's cover story. Theron glanced over at Nostaral, who gave him a slight nod. Okay, we have a deal. Let me throw in one last wrinkle, Gorvich said with a grin. You take Tefeth with you. What? The Twi'lek exclaimed. Why? Not sure what these two are really up to, Gorvich said. But I want someone to keep an eye on them. Make sure they don't do anything that's going to cause trouble for the Brotherhood. So you go, Tefeth spat. Sounds a little too risky for me. Besides, you're the one who brokered this deal. You're the one vouching for these two. Just wanted the credits, Tefeth protested. Gorvich shrugged. That's the deal, sunshine. You go with them, or we cancel the whole thing. Tefeth glared at Theron, then over at Gorvich. Want to hire cut? Hazard Bay. Sure thing, sunshine, Gorvich said. I'll throw in an extra 3,000 when you get back. <laughs> if you get back. She turned on Theron. You tracking us on another suicide mission? He shook his head. Quick in and out, he promised. A couple of hours and you're heading back. Easy money. Spend the credits before we get back, she warned Gorbich. And you wake up missing a finger. Sounds like we have a deal, he said with a smile. Compared with the prosperity, the interior of the Imperial Supply Shuttle was cramped and uncomfortable. It had seating for four, but because most of the rear was occupied by the cargo hold, the chairs were jammed two by two in the cockpit, with hardly any legroom. When Theron tried to sit in the pilot seat, Tefeth pushed him aside. You sit in back, she ordered. Knowing she was still fuming over being forced to accompany them on the mission, he didn't bother to argue. Nostaral took a seat in the co-pilot's chair beside Tefeth without comment. At least this Imperial uniform's a good fit, Theron thought, as he squeezed into the seat behind Tefeth. But though it was the right size, he knew from past undercover experience that the cheap material of the cuffs and collar would still end up chafing his skin. 
Just one more reason nobody should ever enlist with the Empire. A few minutes later, they were on their way to Reaver Station. A journey that would take roughly 10 hours at the shuttle's top hyperspace speed. Theron would have been fine passing the journey in silence, but Dos Dural seemed to have other ideas. Your friend Gorvich is an unpleasant man. Gorvich is no friend. Just work for him. Pays good. So that's your driving motivation in life. Material wealth. Tell Ugly Face not to get all Jedi preachy. Tepid said over her shoulder to Theron. Sorry, Theron replied. Jedi can't help trying to save someone they think is in need of moral guidance. It's like a compulsion with them. Don't need saving, Tepid said to Nosteral. You don't mind spending your life surrounded by people like Gorbich. Just a stepping stone. Won't be there forever. Moving up the Brotherhood ranks. And when you do... You'll find those in charge are even more selfish, brutal, and vicious than Gorvich. Why are we really going to Reaver Station? Tevith asked, changing the subject. To rid the galaxy of a great evil, Nosteral replied. Tevith snorted. <laughs> Gorvich is plenty evil. Should rid the galaxy of him. If you hate him so much, Theron asked from the back, why'd you save him on Nar Shaddaa? Don't leave partners behind. Even scum like Gorvich. Part of being a team. The next few minutes passed in silence before she returned to her earlier line of inquiry. What's going down at Reaver Station? Need to know if things get ugly. Don't worry, Theron assured her. You just need to drop me off and wait inside the shuttle with Master Nosteral for a few hours while I take care of some business. That's it. Easy. Too easy. Not your style. Maybe I've changed. <laughs> Another snort from Tepith ended all conversation until they reached their destination, and Theron allowed himself to slip into a light meditative trance. Yet another useful trick he'd learned from Nagani Zhou to rest up and ready himself for what lay ahead. When they finally dropped from hyperspace, they had a clear view of Reaver Station. The massive spaceport was the size of a small moon. Struggling to look over Tefeth's shoulder, Theron could make out an enormous capital ship docked on the far side. The Ascendant Spear. Go ahead and open a hailing frequency, Theron said, then added, Better let me do the talking. Tefeth clicked the transmit button on the shuttle's control panel, but she didn't give him a chance to speak. Reva Station, this is Imperial Shuttle TK-37059, requesting permission to dock, she said, her heavily accented basic disappearing as her voice slipped into the precise clipped cadence common to citizens of the Empire. Copy, TK-37059. Ready for clearance codes. Transmitting codes now, she said before clicking off the comm channel. You've done this before, Nosteral remarked clearly as impressed and surprised as Theron. Your accent is impeccable. Easy to fake in fancy talk, she said, brushing away the compliment. The console beeped, and she pressed the button to reopen the channel. TK-37059, you have clearance to land. Proceed to Hangar 14 in D-Wing. Copy, Reaver Station, Tefeth replied, then clicked off the channel a second time. 
I thought Gorvich said we were supposed to land in Sea Wing, Theron said. Usually do, Tefeth answered. So why the change? Maybe Gorvich sold us out. Want to turn back? No, Theron said after a quick deliberation. Go ahead and dock. Tefeth brought the shuttle into the open hangar bay for a landing, and the airlock doors closed behind them. A pair of guards, both human, both male, emerged from a door leading into the station. But they didn't act as if they were expecting anything out of the ordinary. Wait here, Theron told the other two, but be ready to bug out if something goes off the rails. Exiting the shuttle, he approached the two guards, trying to appear casual, even as his mind was racing. There wasn't an ambush waiting for them, so Gorvich hadn't betrayed them. But if these guards weren't on the take, they might want to inspect the shuttle, and Theron couldn't let that happen. Gorvich didn't say anything about sending a fresh face on this run, one of the guards said. Theron let out a sigh of relief. He told me we were supposed to dock in Seawing, Theron said, warming up to the part of a small-time thug working for the old Tian Brotherhood. Had me worried. Sea wings reserved for that giant capital ship you saw on your way in. Had to shift some stuff around. Could have given us a heads up, Theron said. So, Gorvich, the guard replied. Guess he didn't pass it on. Guess he wanted to make the new guy sweat, the other guard said with a laugh. Where's your friend? the first one asked. The one with that sexy voice. Staying on the shuttle, Theron said. Keeping an eye on the cargo. Yeah? What's the hole this time? Stims? Spice? Band hollow vids? Is this part of hazing the new guy? Theron asked. Gorvich tell you to waste my time with all these questions? Just trying to be friendly, one of the guards said. Maybe you can leave us a little free sample when you go. I think we're done here, Theron said. We keep chatting and someone's going to get suspicious. Fine, the first guard said, finally taking the hint. We got other shuttles coming in anyway. Just keep your head down and don't do anything stupid, rookie, the second warned him. You get caught. We don't know you. Theron waited for the guards to leave before returning to the shuttle. Everything's good, he said, giving a quick status update. Sit tight. Everything goes smooth, and I'll be back in a few hours. May the force be with you, Theron. Nosteral said. Don't mess up, Tefeth said, offering her own words of support. Theron left the shuttle and exited the hangar, making his way onto Reaver Station, marveling at the size and scope. The Empire understood the need to let military personnel enjoy a break from their daily routine. But unlike the Republic... It was paranoid about soldiers deserting whenever they landed on a world. To offset this, they designed Reaver Station to have all the amenities anyone would expect in a planetary port city, giving the soldiers a place to relax, but leaving them no other option but to return to their ship when their leave was over. Spread out over the station's four levels was a wide assortment of shops, bars, restaurants, hollow theaters, casinos, sport courts, and clubs all packed with men and women eager to cut loose before returning to the drudgery and discipline of their assigned posts on their respective ships. Theron's plan was simple enough. Sneak onto the Ascendant Spear while it was docked, slice into the computer systems, and plant the dormant virus. 
Next, he'd rig up the communications protocols to receive a special Republic transmission that would trigger the virus when the time was right. Then he'd slip off the ship, head back to the shuttle, and get off the station with no one the wiser. The fact that Reaver Station was a secure military facility would only make things easier. The only people on board either served in the military or had special authorization to be here. Because of that, security on the ships actually docked at the station was bound to be lax. For a vessel the size of the Spear, there'd be a constant stream of men and women coming and going, heading out into the station for some fun, then stumbling back to their bunks on the ship to rest for a few hours before heading out again. At most, they'd have to flash a boarding ID to the guards stationed at the hangar's entrance. A nod to the fact that nobody would be able to remember the names and faces of every person who was stationed on the ship. All Theron had to do was borrow a boarding ID from someone too drunk or preoccupied to notice it was missing so he could forge a copy. But first he had to figure out where the crew members of the Ascendant Spear were gathered. The bonds among those who served together on a ship were strong, and most personnel on leave tended to hang out with the same people they worked beside day after day. They would congregate in the same general area of the station, their sheer numbers driving away most of those on the station who served on smaller vessels. He made his way toward an information booth located near the hangar base. Welcome to Reva Station, Corporal, the woman behind the desk said. Her voice was chipper, and she had a wide smile plastered across her face. But there was something in her eyes that made Theron think her cheerfulness was just a facade. The result of Imperial training to boost the morale of the men and women arriving for a few precious days of R&R. Just got in on a supply run, Theron said. First time here. Looking for a good place to grab some grub. Normally, I'd suggest the Golden Galley, she said. Great food, good prices, and you can have them take advice off your payroll if you're a little short of credits. But you don't want to go there today. Why not? Theron asked, feigning ignorance. Had a full capital ship arrive earlier today. They hit that place like a Fefsi swarm. I'm not in a rush, Theron said. Care to tell me how to get there? Following the woman's directions eventually brought Theron to his destination. The woman at the information booth's description of a deadly Fefsi swarm was accurate. The restaurant and every other establishment around it were overflowing with men and women in uniform. They spilled out into the streets, forming haphazard queues to wait outside the doors of any spot that served food or drink. Theron slowly made his way through the crowd, searching for an easy target that could provide him with a boarding ID. Many of the bars he passed were projecting the feed from the official Imperial News Hollow, where the crowd outside could watch, as a way to keep the people in line from becoming too impatient and unruly. It was hard to hear the newscasters over the din of the crowd, but the sharp trill indicating a breaking story caught Theron's attention. He stopped and turned his head up to hear the latest Imperial propaganda. The Empire scored a major victory just hours ago with a surprise assault on the Republic agro-world of Ruan. A cheer rose up from the crowd, but Theron was too shocked to join in. Ruan was a major producer of food for Coruscant and several other Ecumenopolis worlds. It was also deep inside Republic space, a planet most considered well beyond the reach of the Empire. Enemy casualties are estimated in the thousands. 
as an Imperial fleet under the command of Moff Nesser unleashed an orbital bombardment that devastated production facilities on the surface. And killed thousands of innocent civilians in the process, Theron thought. The Republic fleet in the area was destroyed, with enemy reinforcements arriving too late to affect the outcome of the battle. An official press release from the office of the Minister of War reads as follows. Moff Nezor's resounding victory at Ruan demonstrates the strength of the Empire and exposes the vulnerability of the Republic. Those who say our enemy has gained the upper hand in the Galactic War must clearly recognize this day as proof that the Empire is stronger than it has ever been. The Republic is unable to defend its own worlds, and her citizens tremble before the might of the Imperial Fleet. Their defeat and eventual surrender is inevitable. All hail the immortal Emperor! Theron turned away from the hollow, ignoring the raucous celebrations of those around him. As bad as the attack itself had been, what it represented was far worse. The hollow claimed capital ships had been involved in the attack. That meant the orders should have been transmitted using the Black Cipher. SIS should have known the attack was coming, but somehow the Republic was caught completely unprepared. It didn't make any sense. Unless our cipher isn't working anymore, Theron thought. The realization made Theron feel physically ill. He needed to speak to the director. He needed to know what had gone wrong. If there was a leak in SIS analytics, they might have to scrap the entire mission. Abandoning the still cheering crowd around the Golden Galley, he ran back to the hangar where they had docked and scrambled up and into the shuttle. Why are you back so soon? Teveth demanded as Theron burst in on them. Something's wrong, he said, addressing Nostaral. I need to speak with the director, or Jace, maybe both of them. Impossible. We don't have a secure channel. Theron rushed up to the cockpit. He quickly surveyed the hangar through the window until he spotted a communications terminal in the corner. I can slice into the Imperial comm channels, he said. Piggyback our signal on the station's secure network. Scramble it with a basic SIS encryption and bounce it through half a dozen relays so nobody knows where it's originating from. Should buy us a minute or two of secure time. Sounds risky, Tefeth said. We don't have any choice, Theron insisted, still speaking to Nostaral. Do what you have to do. Theron exited the shuttle and raced over to the comm terminal, pulling his custom-designed slicer spike from the hip pocket of his uniform. The spike was small about twice the size and thickness of a pen, with a small interface cable extending several centimeters from the bottom. He plugged the cable into one of the terminal's access ports and turned the spike on. A second later, the spike's short-range signal synced up with Theron's cybernetic implants, allowing him to interface directly with Reaver Station's communications network. His fingers flew over the keyboard as the spike relayed streams of data to his implants. It took only a minute for him to burrow his way through the various levels of electronic security and gain unrestricted access to the network's core operating system. It took several more minutes to set up the encryption and the complicated system of relay jumps, but it was a necessary precaution. He'd use them to buy a few minutes of secure transmission before the station's automated network systems responded to the unauthorized intrusion and shut them down. He raced back over to the shuttle and climbed inside. Got it, he said as he settled into the pilot's seat. Nostaral and Tefeth crowded in on either side of him. Theron switched the shuttle's transmitter on, 
keying it to the same frequency as the terminal in the hangar. He had to work fast, so he fired off an emergency priority signal to SIS, knowing protocols would relay it immediately to the director wherever he was. A few seconds later, the director's voice came through the ship's speaker. Adding video to the signal would only have made things more complicated. Theron, what's wrong? You heard about the attack on Ruan? Of course. I'm in a debriefing with the Supreme Commander right now. Is everything all right, Theron? Jace's voice chimed in. Where are you calling from? Reaver Station. Are you insane? It's okay. The signal's secure for now. You can't know that. What if the... I don't have much time, Theron said, cutting him off. I think the mission's been compromised. Why? Jace demanded. The Empire should have used the Black Ciphers to transmit the orders to the capital ships. We should have known about the attack. There was a moment of silence on the other end of the line, before Jace said, We knew. You knew? Theron said, his mind struggling to grasp what he was hearing. Why weren't we better prepared? Why didn't you do anything? We sent medical supplies, food, and emergency volunteers, Jace replied. What about the reinforcements? Why were they too far away to get there in time? We should have scrambled one of our fleets. We couldn't. The risk of tipping off the Empire was too great. If they found a fleet waiting for them on Ruan, they'd know we were intercepting their cipher transmissions. Horror slowly dawned on Theron as he realized what Jace was saying. You knew the Empire would wipe out our ships at Ruan? You knew they'd bombard the planet? Thousands of civilians are dead, and you did nothing to help them? I had no choice. If we don't stop the Ascended Spear, we don't stop this war. You're worried about thousands of innocent lives, but I'm worried about millions. Theron didn't say anything. He sat in the pilot's chair, speechless, as Satil's warning ran through his mind. Jace fights this war out of revenge. It clouds his judgment. It can make him do terrible things if he believes they are necessary to save the Republic. Theron, Jace said from the other end of the transmission. Theron, are you still there? We're here. Nosteral spoke up. You have to see the big picture, Theron. We have to wait for our chance to stop the spear, no matter how horrific these attacks may be. Attacks? Theron said, snapping out of his daze. Ruan wasn't the only one? Theron! The director's voice snapped. Your job is to get on board the spear. This doesn't concern you. Where will they strike next? Theron demanded, ignoring the director. Jace! Where? Duro, the Supreme Commander said with a heavy sigh. They're going to hit the shipyards at 36 standard hours. Duro was a heavily industrialized and densely populated world. Though the planet itself was too polluted to support life, billions lived in the orbital cities above it. An Imperial attack on Duro would have minimal long-term strategic value for the Empire, but the casualties for the Republic were almost too catastrophic to fathom. You have to stop them, Theron said. Set an ambush! Take out the Imperial fleet the second they enter the system! That's not going to happen. The Spear isn't going to be involved in the attack. 
We're increasing Republic patrols in the sector, the director added. But if we scale them up too fast, the Empire will grow suspicious. Theron, sometimes sacrifices have to be made. But you have to draw the line somewhere. The Empire won't, so neither can we. Satil was right about you, Theron thought, remembering her final argument. Hate will transform you into the very evil that you are fighting so hard against. There's nothing you can do to stop this, Theron, the director told him. So do your duty. Complete your mission. The Republic is counting on you. The transmission abruptly ended, though Theron wasn't sure if they had cut him off or if the Reaver's automated security systems had finally unraveled his tricks and disconnected the signal. Theron stood up from the pilot's seat slowly, his body and mind numb. Theron? Nostaral asked. Are you okay? The director was right, Theron replied. There's nothing we can do. An Imperial fleet is going to hit Duro and we can't stop it. Call back, Tepa suggested. Tell them you quit. There may be another way. If the spear was part of the Imperial fleet attacking Duro, Chase would be willing to set up an ambush. But it's not, Theron said, his mind unable to follow where the Jedi was heading. The spear will still be here when Duro is attacked. Maybe not. Can you send off another message? Theron shook his head. Used every trick in my bag to pull that off. The network security programs automatically adjust and adapt to slicer attacks. They'll be able to lock me out almost instantly if I try it again. Probably even trace the location to this hangar. Then we need someone to deliver it. Nostaral turned to Tefeth. We need your help. Not trying anything to get us killed, she warned. All you have to do is deliver a message. Tell Jace Malcolm that the Ascendant Spear will be at Duro. She'll never be able to get a message to the Republic Supreme Commander, Theron said, suddenly understanding where Nostaral was headed. But I know who can. Satil. I should have thought of her myself. Go to the Jedi Enclave on Coruscant, he said to Tefeth, speaking quickly. Ask for Grandmaster Satil Shan. Tell her everything that happened here. We fly Imperial Shuttle to Coruscant, we get blown from the sky, Tefeth protested. Go back to Jaganiport and take my shuttle, Nose Dural said. It's faster anyway. We leave, you two going to be stuck on Reverse Station, Tefeth reminded them. From her tone, Theron wasn't sure if she was worried about them or sarcastically pointing out something obvious she thought they were foolishly forgetting. Theron and I can look after ourselves. Tell the authorities that I sent you, Theron said. Grandmaster Shan will listen if you mention my name. Grandmaster Shan? Tefeth said, her eyes narrowing suspiciously as she put two and two together. Theron Shan, you related? She's my mother, Theron said, the situation too urgent for him to even care whether Nostaral already knew. He expected Tefeth to make some kind of comment, maybe ask why he wasn't a Jedi. But all she said was, What's he need for us? Another 10,000 credits, Theron promised, and a get-out-of-jail-free card if you're ever arrested in Republic space. 
deal. Nosteral turned his attention back to Theron. You still need to get on the spear. If you don't sabotage the systems, Carrot will be able to escape the Republic ambush. I'm on it, Theron said. What about you? I'm going to convince my old apprentice to take her ship to Duro. Pulling the hood of his cloak up over his head to obscure his features, the Jedi slipped out of the shuttle and took off, moving with the supernatural speed of one driven by the Force. Theron watched him until he vanished through the hangar door, leaving him and Tefeth alone. Can I trust you on this? He asked the Twi'lek. Millions of innocent lives are at stake. Ten thousand credits to deliver one message? Stupid not to do it. Good. Tell Satil Shan everything that happened here. She has to convince Jace to send the Republic fleet to Duro. Theron wondered what the Director or Jace would say once they learned that a Twi'lek enforcer for the old Tian Brotherhood now knew all the critical details of their top-secret mission. He'd probably get court-martialed, and rightfully so. But he trusted Tefeth. More important, he didn't have any other options. Not if he wanted to keep Duro from being the site of one of the war's bloodiest massacres. He started to leave the ship, then paused to say one last thing to Tefeth. Remember, he warned her, double-cross us, and you don't get paid. Got it, she said, her leku flicking in annoyance. Said stupid not to do it. We're not stupid. Nosteral was little more than a blur of motion and movement as he raced through the corridors of Reaver Station. The Imperial soldiers he flew past reacted with a mix of surprise, curiosity, and alarm, but he came and went so fast none of them fully realized what had happened. Left in his wake, they exchanged a few puzzled glances with their friends, then laughed off the odd but seemingly harmless encounter as their minds convinced them that the person who just run by couldn't possibly have been moving that fast. He didn't know exactly where he was going, but he let the Force guide him. When they'd first arrived at Reaver Station, he had gently reached out with his mind until he sensed his former Padawan. Now he was using her familiar presence, shrouded in the dark side, but still unmistakable after so many years, as a beacon to guide him to her. At the same time, he was careful to mask his own presence so as not to warn her of his coming. As he drew closer, it would be impossible to completely hide himself from her awareness should she suddenly choose to focus her thoughts on finding him. But there was no reason she would do so, not until he was so close that it no longer mattered. As he drew near the Ascendant Spear's hangar, he slowed his pace. There were more people here, men and women returning from or heading out on shore leave, but none of the off-duty soldiers paid him any special heed. Those coming back to the ship were tired and inebriated, and those leaving were too eager to begin their leave to pay close enough attention to the hooded figure's hidden features to realize he wasn't human. That changed when he reached two guards on duty at one of the many boarding ramps leading from the hangar floor into the spear itself. Who are you? One demanded, stepping in his path. She moved with a sure confidence that Nostaral recognized all too well. He knew there would be little chance of using the Force to persuade her to let him pass. Should it be necessary, he was ready to resort to violence to get inside. But he thought there might still be another way. He threw back his hood, revealing his alien features. He took deep, slow breaths through his mask, 
which gave off a deep, angry hiss in response as he tilted his head back slightly to make his tusks more prominent. My name is Darth Malishi, he said, dropping his already baritone voice a full octave lower. I have business with Darth Karen. The guard hesitated, but held her ground, and he realized she would need more convincing. The Keldor extended his hand, while simultaneously reaching out with the force to apply a faint pressure on her windpipe. She threw her hands up to her throat, and her eyes went wide with terror as her air supply was cut off. After a few moments, he released his hold, causing her to collapse to her knees as she took in deep, desperate gulps of oxygen. When a superior wants to pass, you would be wise to step aside. Forgive me, my lord, the guard gasped as she crawled out of his way. Keeping her eyes carefully averted to the ground, she said, I will inform Darth Carrot of your arrival. <sighs> Darth Carrot is expecting me. I refuse to wait so my presence can be announced by some groveling worm. He sneered as he brushed past her. The second guard made no move to stop him. Instead, he cowered off to one side, trying very hard not to be noticed. The Jedi moved quickly up the boarding ramp and into the spear, not certain how long the ruse would work. Though the guards hadn't dared to stop him, once he was gone, they would almost surely inform someone on board the ship of their honored guest's arrival. It wouldn't take long after that for someone to realize something was wrong and order security to hunt down the intruder. Still guided by the power of the Force emanating from Darth Carrot, he made his way deeper and deeper into the ship. He could feel evil and corruption enveloping him, growing steadily stronger during his descent and he knew it wasn't because of his former Padawan's presence. When Darth Mechas had created the Ascendant Spear, she used a combination of experimental technology and Sith alchemy to imbue the ship itself with energies of the dark side. By the time Nos Dural stepped into the turbo lift that would take him to the black heart of the vessel, the Jedi was feeling physically nauseated from the effects, but he also sensed he was nearing his goal. As he dropped into the very bowels of the ship, the claustrophobic feeling of the dark side pressing in on him from all sides was so strong that he almost didn't sense the soldiers waiting in the corridor just beyond the turbolift's doors. At the last possible instant, the Force granted him a sudden premonition of the lethal trap. Pulling his green-bladed lightsaber from his belt, he dropped to the ground, pressing himself face down flat on the floor as the turbolift came to a stop on the spear's lowest level. The guard's blaster bolts shredded the turbolift's doors as they slid open, ricocheting over Nostaral's head as they carved an arc at waist height. The Jedi responded by lashing out with the Force, hurling the four heavily armored soldiers several meters back down the corridor. Before they even hit the ground, he had sprung to his feet, charging toward them as he threw his lightsaber sidearm. The spinning blade struck the nearest of his foes, slicing through the chestplate of his battle armor and into the vulnerable flesh beneath. The surviving three guards didn't try to regain their feet, instead firing wildly at him from where they lay sprawled on the floor. The Keldor angled his charge toward the sidewall, leaping and planting a foot halfway up the surface to give him leverage for a high, twisting spin that scraped the ceiling 
his arms tucked in close to his chest and his horizontal body perfectly parallel to the floor. The unexpected move again caught the soldiers off guard, their bolts whizzing beneath him. He landed on his feet amid his still-prone adversaries, his lightsaber flying back into his hand as he recalled it with the force. He turned sideways, narrowly dodging fire from the closest soldier, while a pair of quick flicks with his lightsaber deflected the bolts from the other two harmlessly off to either side. The hard heel of his boot slammed down on the helmeted head of the man at his feet. At the same time, he used the force to pick up the other two and send them crashing into the ceiling before letting them drop back down to the floor. Momentarily stunned, all three were defenseless against the quick series of cuts and thrusts from his lightsaber that finished them off. Knowing reinforcements wouldn't be far behind, he raced down the hall and burst through the door at the end, coming face to face with Darth Carrot and her two apprentices. They were standing in a large circular chamber, his former Padawan in the center, a male human on her right, and a female pure-blooded Sith on her left. Behind Carrot, he could see a large crystal sphere, and on the sidewall, he saw a small control console. Otherwise, the room was empty. All three of his adversaries wore black armor and sported the fierce facial tattoos so common in those who followed the dark side. Their lightsabers were drawn and ready, the shimmering blades casting a crimson glow over the dimly lit room. Clearly, they were expecting him, though whether they had sensed his presence through the Force or had simply been warned by the guards outside, he couldn't say. I knew you would come for me one day, Nostatharal, Karen said, her lips curling into a smile of anticipation. But even you should know better than to challenge me here on my own ship. A Jedi pursues the dark side, no matter where it tries to hide, he answered. Noble and foolish as ever, she mocked. You have no idea of how powerful I've become. Malgus showed me the true power, she said, her voice slowly rising with each word. He led me down the path to greatness. He revealed the secrets you dared not face. He taught me to embrace all things that Jedi fear, she shouted, her voice echoing off the circular chamber's walls. Now I will use them to destroy you and every follower you have brought onto my ship. I have come alone, Nostaral replied, remaining calm in the face of her growing anger. It was my decision to send you to Darth Malgus. I started you on this path. No one else is to blame. How quaint, she said with a sneer. I thought you'd let the strike team here to kill me. But you just want to save your Padawan from the perils of the dark side. I will purge the galaxy of the evil I unleashed upon it, he said, his voice betraying nothing beyond firm resolution. Whether this ends in redemption or death is your decision, not mine. Carrot casually twirled her lightsaber, carving long, lazy circles in the air as her apprentices fanned out to either side, slowly moving into position to flank the Jedi. I heard tales of your great prowess in battle while I was on Tython, she told him. But during all my years as a Padawan... I never saw any evidence of it. 
I'm curious to see how badly your reputation has been exaggerated. Nostaral sensed Imperial reinforcements drawing near. Spinning back to the door behind him, he thrust his lightsaber into the access panel on the wall, sending up a shower of sparks as he fried the circuits, sealing the door so nobody else could enter the room. He wheeled back to face Carrot and her apprentices and slowly circled to his left, keeping his back against the wall as he tried to gauge the strength of his opponents. You've given yourself over to the Ascendant Spear, Nostaral warned his former Padawan, holding his own weapon steady in front of him, two hands on the hilt in a classic defensive posture. It has consumed your thoughts and training. In learning to master this ship, your other skills have atrophied. That is why I don't intend to face you alone, Karen said. A slight nod of the falling's head sent her apprentices rushing forward. And Master Nostaral braced to meet their charge. Whoa, can we talk about part eight? Because holy hot, that was a light speed ride, zipping through the old Republic's moody and mysterious corners. It felt like I was on the back of a runaway Tauntaun in a snowstorm. Talking about highs and lows, I was alternating between no way and way every other minute. The whole Republic's galaxy isn't just sprinkled with danger, it's like someone dumped a whole jar all over it. But fellow Star Wars fans, for those brave enough to keep their hyperdrives going, the treasures you'll uncover are nothing short of, well, galactic, alright? Enough of my babbling, let's dial it back and serve up the quote of this episode. This gem came straight from Og Mandino. He said, always do your best, what you plant now, you will harvest later. Now let's break it down and see what it's all about. First things first, always do your best. This means give it your absolute all in everything that you do, whether it's studying for a test, working on a project, or pursuing a passion. You gotta bring your A-game. It's like putting on your favorite superhero cape and showing the world what you are made of. Now let's move on to the second part. What you plant now, you will harvest later. Picture this, you got a magic garden. Whatever seed you plant today, those could be your efforts, skills, or positive actions. You'll reap the reward later on. It's like growing a garden of success, happiness, and fulfillment. So how do we apply this awesome quote to our real lives? Well, give it your all, whether it's your job, business, or relationship. Always do your best, put in the effort, and show dedication and aim for excellence. Remember, you are capable of amazing things. So plant those seeds of awesomeness today and watch them blossom into something incredible down the road. Remember, you're the master of your own destiny. So let's go out there and give it our best. And I think that's all I have for this episode. I hope you enjoyed part eight of Annihilation, and I hope you will join me for part nine in a few days. Until then, may the force be with you. Thank you for listening to Star Wars Audio Archives. Join us next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can follow us on your favorite podcast directory. If you enjoyed the show, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the force be with you. Sway was created by Keen Eye Shed and is a production of Pick Film Media. This show was produced by Quinn McDaniel and was distributed by Sway Cast Network. Star Wars The Old Republic Annihilation was read to you by Jason Odega. Sound designed by Theodore Thompson. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> <laughs>